Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. So we've been doing a series on the gifts of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's a passage that lists nine gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to read the whole passage to you just so that you understand where we're coming from, especially if you haven't been with us up to this point. In verse 4, it says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. You're going to see there's little three sections here. So the first is gifts of the Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. That's a whole different category that are listed in Ephesians 4. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And those are the, the ministries or the gifts of Jesus, the Lord. It says, when he ascended, he left gifts for men. So there are gifts of the Spirit, there are ministries of the Lord, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God. So that's a different set of, of gifts. In Romans 12, those are activity gifts, things like giving, encouraging, leading, teaching, etc. But we're just looking at that first one, the, the gifts of the Spirit. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Can you say each one? Now, is that true? Have you experienced the manifestation of the Spirit? You see, when he says it's given, you've got it, but you just may not have opened it. You may not have experienced it yet. But he says the manifestation of the Spirit, in other words, these nine gifts, it has been given to each one, at least one of these gifts to each one of us. And then it says, is given for the common good, for the profit of all. Verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another word of knowledge through the same Spirit. And we've covered those in a previous talk, but now we're getting on to a little triplet of three gifts that we're going to cover today, which are the gifts of power. And he says, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles. So those are the three we're going to look at today. Faith, healings, and miracles. And they are the gifts of power. And then he goes on to say, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. In other words, it's not just the famous preacher, reverend, evangelist, uh, whatever, who has these gifts. It's not just a few people with all the gifts and the rest of us watch like an audience. No, no, no. The New Testament model is we are all priests, we are all ministers, we are all empowered, we are all anointed, we all have the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, all 120 were filled with the Spirit and started using the gifts of the Spirit. It wasn't just Peter, James, and John. Amen. So, I've got a lot I want to cover today, and it's an important topic. Um, let me ask you a couple of questions, because there's a lot of confusion about this. So, when you read a list or you hear a list like words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy, healings, faith, all these kind of things, there are, there are different approaches we can take. And, and I'm going to, I said I'd ask you a question. I'm going to tell you the different approaches. And the question is, which one do you fall into? So the one approach is 
that these gifts are just for special people at certain times and not everyone has them. So uh, not everyone has wisdom, only sometimes. Not everyone has knowledge, only sometimes. Uh, they're just for certain times and certain people. That's the one approach. The other approach is that these are for everyone all the time, but then the question is why, do we need, why does he need to say each one has a gift? If we can all have wisdom and knowledge, which is what 1 Corinthians 2 says. He says that all of us who are saved have knowledge from God and wisdom from God. It's supernatural wisdom and knowledge. James chapter 1 says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask, and God gives generously to everyone who asks. So we all have wisdom. Without the knowledge from the Holy Spirit, we can't see God. 1 Corinthians 2 says, It's impossible for those who don't have the Spirit to, to know the things of the Spirit. So wisdom and knowledge we all have. So why would there need to be a gift of wisdom and knowledge? Faith. Without faith, you can't be a believer. Ephesians 2 verse 8, Hebrews 11 verse 6, there's many verses that talk about faith. Without faith, you can't be a Christian, so why would there need to be a gift of faith? And all of the, all of the gifts listed there are things that the Bible says all Christians are supposed to have. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out and they all started speaking in tongues, the crowd came to Peter and they said, are you drunk? What's going on? And Peter said, no, no, this is the fulfillment of the prophecy in Joel. I will pour out my spirit and everyone will prophesy. Everyone can prophesy. So if that's the case, why is there a gift of prophecy? Why would we have to say that such and such a person, let's any one of you, let's just pick a person. Why would we have to say, so-and-so is the one who has the gift of prophecy? If everyone can prophecy, why would we say, Doug has a gift of faith, if we all have to have faith? Why would we say, Mary has this gift of a word of wisdom, if we all have wisdom? Why, why, why? Is it just for some people at some times? Is it for everyone all the time? And if it is, why are there different gifts? And I used this illustration last time I spoke about the year in my childhood when my dad got a promotion and we became a rich family. <laughs> and suddenly we went from having no money to being able to go out to restaurants and holidays and it was like the family had enough and it was, it was poured out for all of us. We, we suddenly went up a level in, in wealth and, and, and wellness. And that was great, and I benefited from it because I was part of the family. But you know what, on Christmas Day, I still got special gifts, extra gifts, five of them, I remember that Christmas, one of which was a bicycle, amazing, and it had my name on it. In the New Testament, Jesus came and he's poured out his spirit. Romans 5 says the, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. God has poured out his spirit, his power, his gifts, his wellness, his wholeness to the whole of the body of Christ. And as a family of believers, we have become rich in the spirit. We all have these amazing gifts and power of God, but there is still a gift that he gives to each person. And what I mean by that is, and I know this is controversial, but I want to try and explain it today. He's given, and I'm going to talk about healing specifically today. He's given healing to the body of Christ. He's given it. He's paid for it. 
He's bought it. He's given it. It's available. It's free. It's there. And I'll show you the verses. And yet, some people don't always get healed. Even though it's freely given, we see, even in the Bible, some people don't get healed. And, ye, and then, on top of all of that, you have some people who every time they pray for someone, that person seems to get healed. Have you seen that happen? And you know, the words in this verse, in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, gifts of healings. It's all in the plural indicating that there's, even within this category called healing, there are some people who can pray for migraines and they seem to just get healed every single time, but when they pray for sore knees, it doesn't work. It's just weird. There's different gifts within the gifts. Now let's, let's take this little concept. I'm gonna get into the Bible in a bit and explain what I'm saying, but let me just take this concept and explain where I'm coming from. We have verses in the Bible, taking healing, for example, which I believe clearly indicate that God wants to heal all the time. We have verses like that. And there are verses where he says he's poured out his healing and his miracle power for us all. And I'll show you those as well. We have the verses. And if we're honest, and we read those verses honestly, without trying to put our own interpretation on them, we have to say, if I read those verses, it looks to me like healing is available for every single Christian. And then we have our experience, our real life lived experience, where we sometimes get sick and we pray for people to get well and they don't. And so you've got Bible and you've got real experience. And let me say, sometimes people do get well We've seen, I would say we see at least one person healed a week, but we also see one person a week who doesn't get healed. That's the honest truth. So we've got Bible, we've got reality, and now the test comes where the microscope is turned back on us and God says, Christian, how are you going to deal with this? And this, these are the... These are the responses that Christians have had, which I, growing up as a believer, have heard all of these responses. The one response is to say, okay, this is the reality, this is the Bible, they don't quite match. I'm going to put my interpretation on the Bible and what I call it is panel beat the Bible. I'm gonna take the verses that say God always heals and I'm gonna bend them and make them a little bit less important than the other verses, and the other verses in general say God is in control of everything, therefore if someone doesn't get healed, he didn't want them healed. And so I'm going to panel beat the Bible a bit to make it fit with my lived reality. That's the one response. The other response is to say, hey, the Bible's right, and I know it, and I understand it fully, and my experience, I'm going to panel beat my experience a bit and lie to people and pretend people always get healed when they don't. That's the other response. We can panel beat that. We can panel beat that. Or we can just be real and honest and say, God's word says this. Experience says this. I don't always understand why the two don't match up, 
but I'm going to believe God's word and I'm going to keep trying to make my experience match up to God's word. And for centuries in the body of Christ, from about 300 AD to about 1900 AD, the church panel their the Bible to fit with their experience, and they came up with a theory that the gifts of the Spirit had passed away, and miracles were no longer part of our experience. And they, they panel beated a, a passage in 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, when perfection comes, the imperfect passes away which is talking about heaven. When I get to heaven, I don't need prophecy in tongues anymore. But they said, no, no, perfection is the Bible. And so as soon as the Bible came in about 90 AD, we didn't need miracles anymore, and so miracles passed away. They panel beated the verses to fit their experience, and then suddenly in about 1900 AD, there was this resurgence of the gifts of the Spirit. It sprung up in every continent on the planet in the space of about 10 years. You've heard of the Welsh Revival. There was the Hebridean revival in, in Scotland. There was one in New Zealand. There was one in South Korea. There was one in Malaysia. There were several in Africa. The famous one in America is Azusa Street. It happened in South America. It all happened at the same time. There was a revival of these miraculous gifts. And the church had to decide, what are we going to do with this? And for a long time, many, many denominations stuck to their belief that the gifts the miracles had passed away, and we're going to just make the Bible say that the gifts don't, don't exist. And therefore, those who are experiencing healings and tongues and prophecy, they, they, they're wrong. They're evil. That's what a lot of denominations did. But around about 1960, uh, there was an Anglican minister called Bennett in England who wrote a book called Nine O'Clock in the Morning, and suddenly it became acceptable for the mainstream denominations to believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And now there's very, very few people who will say that the gifts have passed away. But denominations and churches may say they believe in the gifts, but they don't experience them. They say, yes, we agree, but they don't really see them. And I want to always be as honest with God as I can and say, God, I'm not going to change your Bible. God, I know my experience is not measuring up to the Bible, but I'm not going to say your Bible's wrong. I'm going to say I need to learn and I need to change to become like what you said. So faith, healings, and miracles, on my online service, you can hear all about all the different aspects of that. But I just want to talk about healing today. And... I want to show you a couple of things. Verses, verses, verses. Let's start with Mark chapter 16. I think we've got it on the screen. Mark 16. This is Mark's record of the Great Commission. He says, go and make disciples, preach the gospel to all creatures, Go into all the world, verse 15, and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That tells me that that is what God expects of the believers. Jesus said, this is what will happen. 
If you believe in me, you will cast out demons, speak in new tongues, take up serpents, drink anything deadly, it'll no means hurt you, lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. What about Jesus himself? You know that the Bible says that Jesus is the image of God, the exact representation of God. Hebrews chapter 1 says this. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Who being, now listen to how it describes Jesus. Jesus, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. So it says that Jesus is the express image of God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Um, Colossians 1 says that he is the brightness of his glory, the exact image of Jesus. It says in the Old Testament, the prophets tried to tell us about God, but now Jesus has come and he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And now listen to what Jesus did. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. It says Jesus healed all who were oppressed by the devil. There's two points there. Number one, he healed all. He never turned anyone away. You will never see a time in the whole of the Bible where somebody comes to Jesus and says, please heal me, and he says, no, you will not find it. It doesn't exist. He healed all, and the second point is they were oppressed by the devil. Sicknesses of the devil. That's what this verse says. Now, we can try and say, my experience doesn't say that. Let me change this verse. But no, that's what the verse says. Okay? Let's look at a couple of examples now. Matthew 8, verse, I'm just going to read the verses before. Verse 14. Now, when Jesus had come to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her. Can you imagine the scene? Jesus goes to Peter's house, and Peter's mother-in-law is sick, very sick with a fever. And it says here, Jesus touched her hand, and the fever left her. The version of this in Luke chapter 4 says that Jesus rebuked the fever. He said, fever, get out of her in Jesus' name. In my name, I guess he said. I don't know what he said, but it says he rebuked the fever and it left her. And she arose and served them. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were sick, demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. All. Every single one who was sick got healed. So he's, in the morning he's been doing work healing Peter's mother-in-law. In the afternoon he goes out and they bring many, many people who were demon-possessed and sick. And it says he healed all every single one who was sick. And then verse 17, it explains why. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities 
and bore our sicknesses. So it says this is a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. He healed everyone who came to him, every single one. There wasn't anyone who left that day disappointed, who walked away saying, oh, why didn't I get healed today? Not one. Every single one was fully healed. And it says it's the fulfillment of Isaiah 53. Let me read it to you again. That it might be fulfilled what was spoken by, the, by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Let's look at Isaiah 53. Verse 4 is what it's quoting. And it's putting slightly different words to what the Hebrew verse says. So Isaiah 53 verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That's what he's saying this is the fulfillment of. That it was a fulfillment of Isaiah saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Here it says, he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. But that word griefs is translated sickness every other place in the Old Testament. So, so the, the writer of Mark is actually correct. He's actually saying he bore our sicknesses and carried our sorrows. That's usually translated pain. So he's borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Those are the sins that I have committed. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's a slightly different category of sin. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. That means peace with God and peace from God. I get peace because of what he suffered on the cross. When he was broken and bruised and killed on the cross, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The punishment or chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes or wounds, we are healed. Now, this is the big point that I'm going to make today. We know Jesus died for our sins. Amen? Praise the Lord, he died for our sins. And when you become a Christian, you look in your mind's eye at Jesus hanging on the cross, being killed for you, and you say, Jesus, that whipping and that piercing and that death you took was enough to pay for my sins. And you believe that you are completely forgiven and you are a brand new person on the inside, on your spirit. Isn't that right? That's salvation. But I want you to see that these verses say healing was part of that. Healing was part of that. It says in Mark chapter 8, he healed everyone to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah that he's born our sicknesses. Now you might say to me, but why then are there Christians who are sick? And I will say to you, why are there Christians who still sin? Let me say that again. You'll say to me, if Jesus' death on the cross healed me. Why are there Christians who are still sick? My answer is, if Jesus' death on the cross forgave me and cleansed me of sin, why do I still sin? And it's exactly the same answer. 
I'm clean and pure and perfect and healed in my spirit, and it's got to work itself out into my mind, will, emotions, and body so that I don't sin. Now, if a Christian sins, do we say that they weren't saved? No, we don't. All we say is that God is working out his salvation in their life still, and we stumble and fall. I've got great news for you. If you're driving at 42 miles per hour in a 40 mile an hour zone and you get killed in a car crash instantly and you're a believer, you still go to heaven even if you haven't had time to say, God, I'm sorry for speeding. Isn't that good news? Why? Because his salvation and his forgiveness is enough in our spirits. He looks at our spirit and he says, you are pure and you are perfect. And yes, I want you to become better but I'm not gonna consider you a sinner or unsaved if you're not. It's working itself out in your life. And just because you sin doesn't mean you haven't been saved. It's the same with healing. He has done it, he's bought it, he's given it to us. It has been given to you, it's part and parcel of salvation, but it's gotta work itself out in our lives. Exactly the same. And if a Christian is sick, do we say, oh, well, it must be, let's change the Bible because it must be God's will for them to be sick. No. If it was God's will for people to be sick, there would have been at least one person who came to Jesus for healing and Jesus said no. At least one. There wasn't one. Okay, I'm going to read you a couple more verses. Luke Chapter 6, I'm going to start from verse 17. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. So just get the picture here. It says, he came down and stood on a level place with a crowd. A crowd means a lot of his disciples. Then it says, a great multitude of people, and it lists four places, Judea, Jerusalem, Tyre, and Sidon. So there's a large, large multitude, all on this big level place, who came to him to be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him for power went out from him and healed them all. Not one left unhealed. Not one. Not one left unhealed. Every single one. You say to me, Greg, you've shown me three verses now that say Jesus healed them all. Are there others? There are so many. There are so many. On our video, I've listed them on the screen. You can see them. And you can look up the times where it says Jesus healed them all. And it wasn't just Jesus. In Acts, it says Peter was there and everyone was healed. And in, right at the end of Acts, in Acts 28, it says Paul was in a place and every single one was healed. It's not an isolated occasion. And there is never a time where he says, no, I want you sick. It's God's will for you to be sick. Never. And Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. He is the brightness of God's glory. The Old Testament, we saw God through 
prophets who tried to show us God, but Jesus is the shining glory of God, and he never said no once. Now, what do I do with that? Do I change the Bible to fit my experience? Or do I say my experience must change to fit God? One more story. I wonder if we've got it on the... I think we've got it. Mark chapter 2. Again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Imagine the scene. Jesus is preaching, teaching, and there's no room for these guys. They've got their paralytic friend, and they know Jesus can heal. So they rip the roof open, and they lower him through the roof. That's extraordinary faith, isn't it? That's amazing. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, sons, your sins are forgiven you. What a strange thing to say. Some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Now listen to this, verse nine. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or arise, take up your bed and walk? He put the two as the same thing. Sins forgiven and healing, they're together in the atonement. Jesus does, but they go together. Verse 10, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all. So they were amazed and glorified God. I love this. Jesus says, just so that you know that I have the authority to forgive sins. So originally he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. Then they said to him, why are you forgiving sins? He said, it's the same thing. You're healed, your sins are forgiven, it's the same. Then he said, just so that you know that I have authority to forgive sins, watch this, he says to them. And he turns to the man and he says, arise, pick up your bed and walk. Just so you know I can forgive, be healed. They're the same in Jesus' mind. Healing and forgiveness are in Jesus' power. And he gives them to both. To us all, he gives them both. A couple of other verses, Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. Together. You see that? James chapter 5. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders will come and pray for him and anoint him with oil, and the prayer of faith will make the sick person well. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Together. 
healing and forgiveness. Now, my question is this. Why are we so quick to accept forgiveness and we believe it's a done deal? Even if we stumble and sin, we still believe we're saved and we're forgiven. Why are we so quick to believe that? But when it comes to healing, we say, oh, well, God must want me sick. I'm not healed. I, I, I still got the symptoms, therefore it's God's will that I'm healed, that I'm sick. Why? Why, why, why? Okay, I'm just going to close now. Mark 11, verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, or you have received them, other versions say, and you will have them. Jesus said he came across a fig tree that he'd cursed and it withered and the disciples were shocked, and he said, have faith in God, if you have tiny faith, you can say to this mountain, and it could be anything, miracles, healing, whatever, if God says it's yours, which I believe he says for healing, you speak to this mountain. And he says, if you say to this mountain and believe that whatever you say will happen, you will have whatever you say, you speak to the sickness. And then you, he says, when you pray, believe that you have received it and you will have it. This is the answer. So, let me just tell you the three people in the New Testament, Paul, Timothy, and Trophimus. I, I really am closing now, I promise you. But Paul in Galatians, Galatians 4 verse 13, Paul says, you know that because of a physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. Paul was the one who prayed and everyone was healed. Paul was the one who taught about all these amazing things and yet he sometimes had sickness. Does he then say, God wants us to be sick? No, no. He never changes his theology, but he still keeps moving ahead. Next one, Timothy. 1 Timothy 5.23. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Timothy had frequent infirmities. Does Paul say, oh, well, God wants us all sick? No, no. He stays with his theology, but we have to admit, sometimes Christians who are forgiven sin, Christians who are healed sometimes stay sick. We don't know all the answers. And then Trophimus, what, 2 Timothy 4 verse 20, Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I have left in Miletus sick. So what do we do with this? Friends, this is what I do. I keep believing God for healing. I never change what the Bible says about God's will. I say God wants me well. And if I'm not well, I'm going to keep trusting, I'm going to keep believing, I'm going to keep speaking, I'm going to keep praying, I'm going to keep praising, and I'm going to thank God for His healing. And if it comes in my body now, which I've seen numerous times, last Sunday I got healed of something in my hand. I mean, it happens all the time. Just about every week I see a healing either in myself or somebody else. If it happens in this life, great. If it doesn't, and I'm sick until I get healed in heaven, that's fine as well, but I'm never going to change my belief in what God's Word says, 
that Jesus wants to heal everyone, that he's paid for healing for everyone. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to do what Mark 11 says. I'm going to speak to sicknesses and mountains, and I'm going to say, in Jesus' name, be removed. I'm never going to lessen my faith just because my eyes don't match the Bible. Amen? But this is the important thing. You have to choose for yourself. You have to choose. You have to say, God, I, I'm going to look at these words in your, in your Bible, and I'm going to say, Jesus, you paid for healing and forgiveness. You put the two together so many times. I believe I'm forgiven. Lord, I believe I'm healed. And when I pray, I'm going to believe that I've received it, and I'm going to speak to things, and I'm going to speak to sickness, and I'm going to see it removed. I gave this illustration last Sunday that it's a bit like your Amazon delivery. You buy it, it's yours, but it takes some time to get here. But it's still yours. God has bought it. Not you, God has bought our healing. Jesus has paid the price. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.